At the end of the day, this may be the greatest challenge we face. There, there are Christians who say, you know, I think what's being taught at Harvard is just antithetical to Christianity. We're, we're about to find out what Christians will sacrifice in order to retain our children as Christians. Dr. Albert Moeller is the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. In addition to his presidential duties, he's also a professor of Christian theology and hosts two programs, The Briefing, a daily analysis of news and events from a Christian worldview, and Thinking in Public, a series of conversations with the day's leading thinkers. Dr. Moeller, thanks for joining me on Takeaways. Kirk, it's a great honor to be with you. Thank you. I have so many things to talk with you about. I, I can't wait for this conversation. I've been looking forward to it. And uh, one of the things that impresses me and I'm curious about is uh, with someone of your stature, with someone of your, your learning and education and influence and leadership, you are devoting your career to training Christians in their correct view of God and their view of the world. Unlike, say, um, an evangelist who uh, may be devoting the majority of his time to getting out there in a pagan culture and preaching the gospel so that people might get saved. Why did you make the focus of your career aimed at Christians? You know, Kirk, that's an interesting question. And I think a part of it is because as a teenager in, uh, in, in the tumultuous time of the 1970s, I was really trying to figure out how Christians should think about so many of the issues. It seemed like the world was just changing so fast. The sexual revolution, divorce, drugs, um, giant apologetic questions. Uh, and and I, I was in a social context in which I, I was confronted by Marxists and atheists. And, and as a teenage Christian, I was looking for a lot of help. And, and by the way, the Lord gave me that help. And, and uh, that help drew me into the work that I do right now in training pastors uh, the most important issue of training pastors is teaching them to faithfully preach the word in season and out of season. Mm. They're, they're, that's the most important thing that, that, that the church does is to honor the preaching of God's word. And, uh, and, and I also want to help Christians to understand the issues of the day in order that we can together be faithful, uh, going through a tumultuous time of, of massive cultural and social change. And, mm. uh, so it, it all has melded together uh, very well. The Lord's just kind of brought this about. You're such an important leader for those of us in the family of faith. And it is so important for new converts like I was when I was 18 years old to know uh, what family am I joining? What do they believe? Right. Not only do I know that my sins are forgiven and I get to go to heaven on an individual level, but uh, what am I being converted to as a Christian? What, what, what's the kind of stuff that we believe and how, do what right. we, how does what we believe impact the world around me? Or am I just looking for an escape plan from the world? So thank you for the yeah. work that you're doing. Well, that means a very great deal, Kirk. That, that's what I'm trying to do. And look, I'm, I'm trying to give back what was given to me. So, you know, go back to the 1970s. I'm a teenager. Christian, deeply committed Christian, but trying to figure these things out. Yeah, And, you know, I I, I came from a faithful uh, Bible-preaching church. That's just, just an enormous gift. I came from a Christian family. Again, God's grace, just an enormous gift. I needed help from Christian intellectuals, thinkers, trying to figure these things out. And uh, so uh, people entered my life, such as uh, uh, Jim Kennedy, Dr. D. James Kennedy, who is a pastor of the Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale. And it was just a massive uh, intellectual force for the Christian faith. And he was so kind to me, just as a teenage Baptist. And uh, he gave me personal attention and, uh, and, and and infused health into my life. Here, read this, read this, read this. And then he was just constantly thinking through these uh -huh. issues himself and, and sharing that. He introduced me to Francis Schaefer, uh, you know, the, the great 20th century apologist yes. for the Christian faith. Yeah. 
And, you know, it just helped me because here's here's an intelligent Christian. You know, if you're a 16, 17 year old young Christian, it's an enormous help just to know that there are people who've really been seriously thinking through these issues for 2000 years as Christians. Boy. And, and, you know, we're we're dealing out of a wealth of enormous deposit of Christian truth. That's just very reassuring. Dr. Mueller, you're training frontline leaders, pastors, ministry Mm -hmm. leaders within the church. What is some of the advice that you give to these young men and women to, um, to, to hang in there with pursuing biblical truth rather than going yeah. with the pop psychology of the day that tells us how to be happy and how to build yeah. happy families to stick with biblical fidelity? Well, you know, I'm thankful they're drawn to us because they know that's what we stand for and what we teach. But what I really want to, you know, just encourage them in is number one, Find your way into Christian faithfulness that's a 2,000-year project already by God's grace. Mm. In other words, know where you stand. You know, you want to stand with the great heroes of the faith. You want to stand with the great defenders of the faith. You want to stand with, you know, the great the 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 great preachers and evangelists and and, and you want to you want to stand in that stream of faithfulness and then get it deeply involved in a Bible preaching local church. You know, eventually you're gonna be pastor of one of those churches. Uh don't, don't don't think you're going to be faithful then. If you're not faithful now, get deeply mm. involved because Christianity is congregational faithfulness. We 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 pray for each other. We encourage one another. We're we're very weak alone, but we were never intended to be alone. And then you know, Kirk, I'm going to tell you. I tell them get married and start having babies because nothing is more a prompt to faithfulness than being responsible for someone. And uh, the, you know, right back to Genesis one and Genesis two, it's fulfilling what God has called you to do and showing the totality of the glory of God's plan. And you know, so mm-hmm. we 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 may be uh, you know out politically maneuvered by the left, but they're not going to outbreed us. Reproduction is key. That, th- those are the, <laughs> the key weapons we have: is love, loving people, loving right. God, and reproduction. And and if we can proliferate. In that way, um, there's no telling the good things that God can do through us. And that's God's plan. That's Genesis 1. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's not a hypothetical plan. Well, and speaking of that verse, and, and take dominion over all of God's creation, you have right. a podcast called The Briefing, which analyzes news and events from a Christian worldview. Now, I have friends, uh, well-meaning, who would say, you know, analyzing the details of the kingdom of this world and polit- politics uh, is, is, is really uh, maybe a waste of time to get too deep into the weeds here when we know that we're looking for a heavenly kingdom, a kingdom of God. So why have you decided to focus on current events and political issues of the day here in a world that many believe is simply passing away? Well, I believe it's passing away. But we've not been left here by accident. You know, God, God, God did not fail to send the bus to pick us up. Uh, God has a plan. And yes, that's <laughs> the eternal kingdom of Christ. And it's coming most assuredly. And, and that's our eternal destiny as Christians. But he has left us in this world for a reason. Jesus talked about his believers as salt and light. Paul warned about principalities and powers. Uh, faithfulness requires that Christians understand what are the roles going on around this. I, I don't think you can be a faithful Christian and, and, and have no opinion on the abortion question. I don't think you can be a faithful Christian and have no clue what society's laws should be concerning marriage. Uh, and, and I think most Christians actually know that. So I'll just tell you that what I hear 
is, is, is actually a great deal of appreciation. That's very kind. But I, I, I don't hardly ever hear these days people say, you know, I don't think what you're talking about is important. Uh, I think Christians know it's important uh, because, I mean, for one thing, again, go back to the children. How in the world are we teaching our children such that they'll be ready to go into a world in which the enemies of truth and goodness and beauty and righteousness are working full time? I'm so glad to hear you say that, but I have friends, and maybe this was from a generation yeah. past, who, who were taught that, you know, the world's getting so bad, the rapture's coming by Wednesday uh, at this rate of, of evil decline. Therefore, why would you bring children into this kind of a world? But you just said that reproduction and uh, uh, having lots of children was actually very important. So with people thinking, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to get out of here soon, uh, let's not worry too much about the future, I'm so thrilled to see that you are investing in the future and our children and our grandchildren's future because, uh, you know, if, 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 if we're still here a thousand years from now, it matters a lot what we do today and that we're involved in the public square. So thank you for, for taking that, that, that position. Well, that's very kindly said. I got to tell you, I just want to be faithful to all the commands found in Scripture, and I want to occupy as we are commanded until Christ comes. I don't, uh, you know, we're not here merely to wait. Uh, we are to be found. In fact, Jesus in his parables makes this clear. We're to be found busy working in the field when Jesus comes. And uh, so I, I, I want to help train up a generation that's going to go into every field and work as Christians uh, to God's glory until Jesus comes. Dr. Moeller, in the briefing, uh, you have a section there called Letters and Listeners. This is a Q&A segment. Uh, are there some recurring themes of questions that you receive? You know, there really are. And it, can, it kind of tells you where people are uh, just in terms of, uh, you know, not just thinking about these issues in the headlines, but dealing with them. So the most urgent questions I get are questions about, for instance, Christians and reproductive technology, uh, pastoral questions. And I, I mean that not just faced by pastors, but Christians to Christians, you know, and, and advice on marriage, on uh, uh, like, uh, can a Christian go to a same-sex marriage ceremony? That's, that's a question that comes just recurringly because of the commonality of this in the culture. Uh, you know, how do we respond to uh, the transgender revolution. These, these, uh, these, these questions are coming, I mean, frankly, hundreds a week. I can't get to them all, but th there are some very clear patterns. With so much going on in culture that it's such an attack and an affront on our biblical presuppositions, it causes us to question our theology. Um, with you dealing with pastors, is it, is it difficult for pastors to have theological questions and actually be able to talk about them with people, honestly expressing their doubts, their concerns, not understanding this, because they know they've got an entire ministry and a position that is riding on them knowing all of the answers. And how do these pastors actually wrestle with these questions without it shaking their faith or um, threatening their ministry? That's a, that's a great question in itself. And you know, one of the most basic uh, things we need to understand about the fact that God made us as we are is that we're questioning beings. Hmm. So. In other words, questions come inevitably to us, you know, uh, and, and, you know, just, you know, the classic three-year-old question, why? You know, we, 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 we think on the basis of questions. And uh, so we as Christians need to understand that we lean into the image of God. We lean into the way God made us. So that's why I tell Christians one of the most important things you can do is learn how to ask the right questions uh. and, and learn who to, to whom you should address the, the, those right questions. And then understand that that ultimately no human being is the is the is the ultimate answerer, but God in His Word, God raises up human beings to help other Christians reason on the basis of Scripture to understand what's going on here. 
And so I just want to I just want to encourage Christians that there is nothing wrong with asking questions. Mm. Thank you. You stop asking questions, you you stop thinking. Well, and Dr. Mueller, it, it's it's such a help for those of us who have lots of questions to have someone like you to help us think through those questions without going off the rails and falling off the cliff, uh, staying on the road uh, of Scripture and, and wrestling with these cultural issues. Uh, Dr. Mueller, you have a new book that is called The Gathering Storms. Uh, what exactly is this storm that you are forecasting? Well, it's a massive change and shift in the culture, not just over selected issues, but at the basic level of the tectonic plates of the surface. I, I need to tell you, Kirk, that is not an original title. I stole that title, honestly, uh, from one of my great heroes, who is Winston Churchill. And uh, I've drawn strength from the example of Winston Churchill my entire life, going back to the time I was about 13 years old. Uh, you walk into my study, you're, you're going to see oil portraits of several people, Martin Luther, uh, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, but you're, you're also going to see uh, Winston Churchill. Uh, Churchill's six volumes of the Second World War, the first volume was about the fact that Europe would not see the threat that Hitler represented. And so that was entitled The Gathering Storm. And partly to honor Churchill and just to borrow that fantastic title, that, that that's what I'm talking about. Churchill's great point was that all the political and cultural leaders of Europe lived in denial about the basic threat that was uh, swirling all about them. I think Christians are in danger of doing the same thing right now. That Christians are in denial about the cultural threat that's being posed by this uh, woke, progressive, leftist ideologies that is fundamentally changing our culture. Right. And and I think the biggest problem is they fail to see it as a sustained, comprehensive uh, foundational attack. In other words, it's a, a yep. Christians will say, yeah, I think that's an issue. This is an issue. That's an issue. They don't understand that this is actually a combined effort to displace Christianity and to replace Christianity in this culture with something very, very different. Yes, I I completely agree with you. And, and one, once your eyes have been opened to see that, you can't unsee it. You, In fact, you see it everywhere. Right. You see it in politics. You see it in arts and entertainment. You see it in the mm. medical industry. You see it in the family. You see it in the church. It's amazing to me how, how so many Christians within the family of faith have allowed others outside the faith, faith to define our faith for us and what it means to be a faithful Christian. Is no, I mean, that's, that, that's one of the great scandals of the age. And unfortunately, in the modern age, that's a particular problem for the Christian church. And, uh, you know, the, the modern age itself, you know, brought this enormous challenge to Christianity saying, you know, look, we're going to bring all kinds of good things, radio, television, antibiotics, anesthesia, we're going to bring all kinds of good things. But hey, we're also going to set loose an awful lot of, of, uh, of other things, and you're going to take it as a whole. You're going to have to take the entire project, and we're going to win because of this liberal idea of inevitable progress. They, they're just certain they're going to win. And so, you know, I, I would just point to people right now, you, you know, you take the LGBTQ array, and you just take T, the transgender revolution. And you mentioned exactly right, you know, you go through education, academia, politics, medicine, the alignment of all of these elites on this absolutely unsustainable claim of the transgender revolution. And all of a sudden, a lot of Christians are waking up saying, hey, this isn't just all of a sudden an issue. This is the entire culture aligning itself in a way that is just patently untrue, saying a boy is a girl, a girl is a boy. But we didn't get here just by uh, accident. Yeah. 
And what you said is uh, just ringing in my ears that this isn't just an issue here, just an issue there. Oh, that's wrong. Oh, I disagree with that. This is a comprehensive, holistic approach to cultural transformation. And when I look at the transgender movement, I think, boy, there's a legitimate, there's a legitimate attempt here to bring about um, this transition and this this transformation from maybe one uh, sex to another sex, but but it's altogether wrong. Rather than trying to change the outside to bring about about a transformation that I think mm-hmm. is true on the inside, God shows us that there's a real transformation by the renewing of my mind, and I uh, need right. to understand that the transformation happens in, internally, not externally, and that will set me on the right road. But when Christians don't see this as a comprehensive attack, uh, we can just say, oh, this is just a passing storm. This isn't an actual tempest flood that will kill Christian life in the culture. This is just, uh, you know, this is is something that'll pass. You know, we understand that civilizations are projects. The Bible makes that very clear. I mean, just look, just think of the Old Testament showing, you know, here are the Chaldeans, here are the Babylonians, here are the Assyrians. Look at their massive empires. And yet every one of them is in the dust. Uh, think of Rome itself in the history of the early church. You know, Rome declared itself to be the eternal city of an internal empire. Mm. Well, that didn't last so long. And so I think an awful lot of Americans, in particular American Christians, have bought into the idea that there's some kind of permanent empire which is impenetrable and is is and unassailable. And, you know, even just in military and political terms, we're kind of learning right now that's not true. Uh, but at the deeper level, Christians just have to understand that our civilizational project is very, very different than that that's being undertaken by our neighbors. And, and, and I, th- I think that's new for Christians in the United States. I think, you know, we kind of thought yes. well, we're all part of a common project, uh, and that is clearly not true. Yes. And, and what's kind of ironic and, and shocking, but it's also uh, familiar when I read the Old Testament of the Bible, is that I'm seeing the enemies of God uh, being allowed to come into positions of leadership and then actually pick up our mm-hmm. playbook, the Bible, um, whether they know it or not, and run the plays of Deuteronomy chapter six, taking uh, the time to take principles, right. teach them diligently to our children, uh, the work of their hands, the thoughts of their mind, reflect these new values, and then they teach them to the kids when they rise up, when they walk along the way during drag queen story hour in public schools, at the uh, right. on their social media with their phone, and when they go to sleep at night, teach, telling them the wrong bedtime stories. And it's like, The church is being schooled by the pagans on how to train up a generation. If that's not a judgment of God, I don't know what is. You know, if someone came in our home and kidnapped our children, we would would be calling 911 desperately. But but culturally and intellectually, that's what they're doing 24-7. And we're paying for it. And Christian parents are paying for it. They're facilitating it, sometimes even bragging about it. You know, it just in terms of this is my kid just got, got admitted to school X or Y. Well, at what cost? Uh, Dr. Muller, you talk about these storms gathering in different spheres within our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, is the, how is the storm gathering in the family, the Christian family? Yeah, it's, it's first of all an attempt to subvert the family. And, you know, I'll give you just one example of how this is working. And so for right now, uh, you have parents who are being sidelined by public school systems and by uh, therapeutic professionals in which you have, say, a child who is claiming some kind of non-binary identity or transgender identity. And there are official rules in several school systems that parents are not even to be told about this. And so, you know, the most basic relationship for a child is the relationship with parents. Parental authority 
is, is what every civilization has had to recognize. Because what civilizations are absolutely incompetent at doing is successfully raising children. It's the idea on the part of the secular elites that parents are the problem, that you got to find a way to get around the parents to the kids. And the success of politicians and others in doing that should be a five-alarm emergency for all of us. Absolutely. Um, what level of responsibility, Dr. Moeller, do you think Christians have in the moral disintegration of our culture? Well, that's a great question. I think, first of all, we need to take responsibility for the fact that many Christian pastors and Christian leaders have not spoken clearly to these issues. And uh, there's a great cost uh, at that. I think the other issue is, is that the Christians are so easily seduced by comfort. I mean, we live in a consumer age. You know, how bad can things be? I've, I've got a new car. I live in a nice house, you know. And look, we are really, really watching the cost to Christians of, uh, of sacrificing things for cultural prestige. And, and I, I think at the end of the day, this may be the greatest challenge we face. There, there are Christians who say, you know, I think what's being taught at Harvard is just antithetical to Christianity. We're, we're about to find out what Christians will sacrifice in order to retain our children as Christians. And, and that's an open question. I think an awful lot of people who call themselves Christians, they will take the immediate, you know, feedback of the world's applause at the cost of Christian faithfulness. And uh, that, that's just a tragedy beyond our comprehension. Well, to, to me, that's nothing short of idolatry. And we need to repent of that as, as Christians. And when I think of the hope of the future, tell me if, tell me if I'm off base here. I don't see the hope of the, of the future of this country, if we can limit our, our, the scope to, to that, as, as to getting a pagan culture to embrace biblical ideas I see that what God has always seemed to do throughout history is take his people and say, if my people who are, hum who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, don't worry, don't worry about the Canaanites. You don't need to worry about the Hittites. If my people will just put your eyes back on me, I'll take care of your enemies and I'll cause you to flourish. As goes the church, there goes the culture. Someone once said that culture is, re is, is religion externalized. And so that does give me great conviction as a Christian that I have responsibility in this, but it also gives me great hope that if we as the family of God really live what we say we believe, things can turn around externally. Well, absolutely. And I think you're pointing to the biblical promise. Israel was, first of all, to be God's faithful covenant people. And, and that was driven down in the law. And, and you mentioned Deuteronomy 6, in the word of God, to the faithfulness of Christian parents raising Christian children. In, in the case of Israel, faithful parents of Israel raising the children of the covenant. But you know, if Israel was true to God, then the further biblical promise is that Israel would be a blessing to the nations. Yes. And, and so you're exactly right. We start in the household of faith. And, and if we get the household of faith, if, if the church is standing in the right place, of flourishing in the gospel and on the authority of the word of God, then we will be a blessing to the nation. It doesn't work the other way around. It that's, doesn't work in reverse. That's right. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm excited to think of the same God uh, of the nation of Israel that wanted to use Israel as a light to the nations. And as I believe it was John Winthrop said, yeah. that, that America can be that city on a hill that shines the light of the gospel to the nations. And, right. and I believe that God has a purpose for our country. Uh, I, I know that you do too. And we just need to adjust our response to his purposes and turn our eyes back to him. And you know, that that's just one of the clearest calls in scripture in both the Old and the New Testament. So we do know at all times, the right thing is to confess our sins before God, to turn to him and to pray that he will show his glory in our homes, in our children, in our churches.
and uh, and and even in our neighborhoods in this fallen world to his glory uh we're looking forward to a kingdom which has foundations whose maker and builder is god in the meantime we're just seeking to be faithful in this world so long as god leaves us here dr moeller uh it is a great honor for the junior student to be speaking with the professor and uh thank you for taking time to talk with me today on takeaways hi i'm kirk cameron Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.